0: Years ago, I walked 125 miles on the Portuguese Camino, one of seven famed trails that lead to the Cathedral of Santiago in Spain, where tradition tells us that the Apostle James was buried. There were many highlights and also some struggles. One day, toward the end of our walk, my friend alerted me that, according to the map... We were heading to the highest walking path that was going to go over a hill. No, no, it was not a hill. It was a mountain. And carrying a backpack in the heat of the day, over and wa- after walking over 100 miles in a week, I barely survived. I was grumbling. I'm a little dramatic, but it was awful. The trail, the trail itself is over 800 years old. Why? Did the trailblazer just not go around this mountain instead of over it, I grumbled. When we got near the top, there was a large crucifix adorned with all sorts of pilgrim's mementos, prayers on little pieces of paper, rosaries, pictures of loved ones that had passed away, whose memory was being recalled on the Camino, lists of former sins laid below the cross, and so on. It was quite powerful. In countless other places throughout the world, there are mountaintop Catholic shrines. The famous Christ the Redeemer statue, for example, in Rio de Janeiro, Brazil, or a giant crucifix on Mount Cristo Rey in Las Cruces, New Mexico. There's a shrine to St. Francis and his friars in a grove of pine trees on the mountains above his hometown of Assisi. There's a 185-meter climb to a mountaintop shrine in east-central Miramar where Catholics reflect on Jesus' passion and death. There's even a hilltop chapel of thanksgiving to Mary at St. Meinrad Arch Abbey in Indiana that expressed appreciation that no monks or seminarians died in a flu epidemic a hundred years ago. I also recall the handwritten Note on a photograph of the young Italian saint and mountain climber Pier Giorgio Frassati. Not only did he serve the poor, but he also climbed mountains. So he wrote verso at lauto, which on the photograph, which means toward the top, a motto that many espouse as they strive to reach out to the God of the universe, especially during the season of Lent. So there are shrines, crucifixes, chapels, and monasteries on hilltops all over the world. And most of us never stop to ask the question, why? I mean, what's wrong with the flatlands like here in Carmel, Indiana? Well, a lot has happened on mountains in the Judeo-Christian tradition. And for example, there are two important mountains mentioned in our readings this weekend, Mount Moriah and Mount Tabor. They were mountaintops that revealed a lot about God and his love for us. Mount Moriah is the place where Abraham was commanded to take his own son in order to sacrifice him to the Lord. It had been described as a mountain of darkness, a place of death and self-denial. It's also a place of submission to God's will and of trust in his providence. So it's a place of sadness at first, but ultimately gives way to joy and God's grace. Mount Moriah became the Temple Mount in Jerusalem, the mountain where sacrifices were offered and the dwelling place of God on earth. Christian tradition has long identified that the site of the Transfiguration was Mount Tabor, where high on a hill you guessed it, there is a shrine and a Franciscan friary. It's a prominent hill the on, in the dressrail plain of lower Galilee. And because of the transfiguration, it is a mountain of light and glory, a mountain of divine power and of encouragement to Jesus' inner circle, that is Saints Peter, James, and John, and also to, for us, pilgrims that go to that site. I've been there twice myself. The apostles would need this grace as they would lead the early church after Jesus' passion and death. And like Mount Moriah, it is also a mountain of submission to God's will. As the apostles hear from the Father, this is my beloved Son, listen to him. The disciples were invited to trust in God's providence, just as Abraham trusted on Mount Moriah. For it was on Mount Tabor that the inner circle were able to glimpse Jesus' transfigured face. These two mountains point to another mountain, actually, a mountain that is men- not mentioned in today's readings, but is omnipresent and looming as we move through Lent, Mount Calvary. Close by to Mount Moriah, Mount Calvary loomed at the distant horizon for Jesus and also for us during this Lenten season. It was in Jesus' mind and in his conversation, many say, with Moses and Elijah as he was transfigured before his disciples. St. Luke relayed that Jesus, Moses and Elijah, talked about his coming death, the exodus that he was going to accomplish in Jerusalem in order to save us from our sins. Shortly before the transfiguration, Jesus warned his disciples of his coming death and also his resurrection which i didn't understand the people of the transfiguration the purpose of the transfiguration was to strengthen and prepare them for the horrors that await them in jerusalem on that high mountain jesus wanted them to see the glory of the resurrection and what would soon be before they had to witness his shame and his execution And it's for the same reason that the church, by long tradition, has given us the story of the Transfiguration on the second Sunday of Lent. That is, as we continue our journey toward Good Friday, we can draw strength, consolation, and courage from the glory of Jesus that was revealed during the Transfiguration so that we might remain faithful to our own crosses in life, most visible in our Lenten sacrifices. A couple weeks ago, we started by giving up things for Lent. But who could be asked to make a greater sacrifice than Abraham, his only son? Isaac foreshadowed, of course, the offering that God the Father would make of his only son, Jesus Christ. Jesus gave up his glory when he came to the earth, and when he was rejected, suffered, and died for us on the cross. And it was only through that total self-gift that he was able to enter into the glory that was revealed on Mount Tabor. And through his sacrifice, he opened the door to eternal life for his faithful followers. And he calls us to heroically follow in his footsteps during this Lent. Perhaps we've given up TV or beer for Lent. That's, that's certainly good, but he, as he is described in the Old Testament, God is a jealous God. He asks for more of us, a greater relationship during this season. What is our greatest treasure in life? Perhaps our spouse, our children, our career, our house. Maybe it's even something sinful that God is asking us to give him This lens, so that he can transform us, transfigure us with his grace. There's a silence as Jesus and Peter, James, and John come down the mountain, as Jesus looks back uh, and leads them back into life. In doing so, he teaches us that when we gather on this mountaintop, up these stairs for the holy sacrifice of the Mass, we encounter and receive the risen Lord. But then, but then we must head down the mountain, putting our faith into action. And make no mistake, the cross of, of Christ will be down those steps in the front of church if we are following Christ as closely as we should be. Will you accept that cross as a pathway to life? Maybe as we carry our crosses, our thoughts should return to the transfiguration as well and the foreshadowing of the resurrection. For as we strive towards greater faith during this Lenten season, listen to Jesus as his Father has reminded us. Have trust and confidence because even after this suffering, he will rise again and so will we.